From the American Academy of Dermatology, welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Ben Stoff, Editor-in-Chief. Thanks for tuning in. We're all trying to find the right balance between saving time and providing the best care for our patients. That's why we're excited to tell you about Visual DX. Whether you're trying to solve a challenging case, engage patients by showing them medical imagery that looks like them, or look up the latest treatment options, Visual DX is here to help. Your peers have said recently that you can just see the sense of satisfaction and understanding from the patient while using Visual DX. Try Visual DX for free for seven days, then get 50% off a yearly subscription. Visit visualdx.com forward slash AAD to get the AAD discount. That's visualdx.com forward slash AAD to get started today. Hello and welcome. I'm Alexander Miller. I'm moderating this session of Dialogues in Dermatology, and I'm happy and proud to introduce Dr. Kelly Park, who is a member of our AAD Coding and Reimbursement Committee. She will be enlightening us on the topic that is crucial to our ability to be properly and optimally reimbursed, and that is the appropriate use of multiple procedure modifiers. Dr. Park, would you enlighten us as to what modifiers are to begin with? So before we begin, it's really important to understand that we know what modifiers are and how they impact coding and dermatology. Modifiers consist of two-digit numeric or alphanumeric characters that provide a means for us as dermatologists to report or indicate that a service or procedure we've performed on a patient was altered by a specific circumstance without changing the code or its definition. And there are multiple circumstances that dictate the use of a modifier, which can be triggered by three things. How or when a service is provided, when an encounter or service is an exception to payment guidelines or service limitations, and when a service or procedure is performed at a specific anatomic site. Modifiers also allow us to effectively respond to payment policy requirements established by payers and insurers that may be responsible for claim adjudication and reimbursement. Well, Dr. Park, well, what would happen if we didn't use a modifier or modifiers properly? We wouldn't get paid. Um, and what is the consequence of not getting paid? There are two. Number one is your biller or office would need to identify that problem and would need to correct it. Well, it costs everybody time and money. So consequently, it is crucial that we know modifiers and we know how to use them. Now, speaking of modifiers, before we dive into the more detailed portion, where would we find a listing of these modifiers? Well, there's the CPT manual. If you don't have one, you are remiss. Everyone who does billing for medical services should have a current AMA CPT coding manual. And that coding manual in Appendix A lists all the pertinent modifiers for billing. Also, the AAD website at aad.org dash practice management will also have a listing of modifiers and a discourse about them. Well, let's segue on, Dr. Park, to the appropriate use of modifiers. Yes. 
it's important to note that incorrect use of Medicare NCCI edits, NCCI refers to the National Correct Coding Initiative. These modifiers can result in claim denials and trigger claim audits, which we all want to avoid. We should only append modifiers to healthcare common procedural systems, coding procedural terminology, commonly referred to as HCPCS or CPT codes, when the clinical circumstances justify the use of the modifier. Modifiers should not be used as a means to bypass a procedure-to-procedure code pair, also known as PTP, or medically unlikely edit, MUE, if the clinical circumstances do not justify the use of the modifier. Further, we can append the modifiers to appropriately bypass payer edits under the appropriate circumstances and indicate that the service is being provided during the global period. When used correctly, these modifiers can result in efficient and timely claim adjudication with the appropriate payment that we all want to receive. Now, you will, in a moment, dive into, again, even deeper into the NCCI procedure-to-procedure edits, but one may wonder, oh, where can I find these things so I can refer to them? Pretty easy. You just go on your computer, access the internet, and search very simply NCCI, all in capitals, procedure-to-procedure edits, or PTP in capitals edits, and you will be very rapidly directed to where to go. Well, let's go on, Dr. Park. So more about the NCCI edits. So CMS developed the NCCI to ensure that we have correct coding methods, especially when there are multiple procedures or services provided to the same patient on the same day of service by the same doctor or healthcare provider, which happens a lot in dermatology. We are always doing E&M visits and procedures on the same day. So these really apply to us in a great way. Appropriate use of the NCCI edits can avoid inappropriate payments for Medicare Part B claims. And over time, private payers, all the insurers that we know, the big ones, the small ones, have adopted the guidelines provided by Medicare for use of NCCI edits to ensure appropriate claim adjudications. But sometimes they do apply the rules a little differently. So you have to be sure to check in with each private payer to ensure that you are using the appropriate modifiers um, to their satisfaction. Now, one may wonder, we've been talking about NCCI edits, one may wonder, what are these things? What are these PTP or procedure to procedure edits? As you will very shortly see, expertly illustrated by Dr. Park, these are simply charts or tables that list one code and next to it another procedure code and will specify whether those two procedure codes, if billed together, that is on the same date of service, same patient, would require a modifier in order for one to properly adjudicate the claim or not require a modifier at all or would never be payable if billed on the same day of service. And Dr. Park will illustrate this in a moment as she goes on. An example of when two pair codes are not payable is when an lesion is sized and a simple repair is performed to close the defect on the same date of service. There is no modifier in the world that will bypass this payment policy to allow payment for both the excision and the simple repair. And once everyone reviews the coding guidance in the CPT coding manual, you will note 
that a statement that says that simple repairs are included in the excision codes and cannot be separately reported. In this instance, no modifier will or can bypass this edit to get the repair paid as a separate procedure. In other words, one only is paid for the excision, which includes a simple repair, and that other repair, simple repair, is not separately payable because it's already included in the valuation of the excision codes. Now, that's different from intermediate and complex repairs, which are separately billable, separately reportable, and should be separately payable as well. Now, what if a repair was performed on a different site from where a lesion was removed? Let's say there's a laceration and there's an excision. However, if the repair was performed on a different site than where the lesion was removed, and it is not due to a defect created by the dermatologist, it's very appropriate to bill for both and append a modifier 59 to communicate with the payer that the procedure, also known as the repair, was indeed separate from the excision. So one may then consider, well, what's the big deal? I can just put modifiers anywhere I want, and... If it's not payable, the insurance will just adjudicate it as such. And if it's payable, fantastic. Well, guess what? Insurances track your billing patterns and Medicare tracks billing patterns. It costs some money when they tell you, ah, I'm not paying this stuff. And you have to resubmit it, et cetera. And if you resubmit it, it's again processed. So all of that wastes money and eventually could lead to an audit. So we want to do this appropriately, as Dr. Park will illustrate through some sample edits that one may find in the procedure-to-procedure -procedure NCCI chart. So there are many examples of this that are used in dermatology practice and the services that we provide. We do need modifiers in order to get reimbursed for both procedures performed during the same encounter by the same dermatologist. For example, a commonly used one is CPT code 11102, and another one that we use commonly on the same day is 1700. I believe the 11102 is a tangential biopsy and 1700 is benign destruction. Yeah, 17,000 is uh, destruction of premalignant lesions. And 11102 is, is the tangential biopsy. Yeah. So when both are performed on the same day, there is an indication that we are allowed to use a modifier in order to get uh, reimbursed for both procedures. That modifier indicator is the number one, which means it's allowed. There are other indicators of modifiers not being allowed and not applicable, and that is zero being not allowed and nine being not applicable. And these are all illustrated in a table that which you can find on the AADA Practice Management Center. And on the web as well. Uh, what I have and I find uh, extremely useful is I have these tables downloaded onto my computer. I sort of don't always trust the billers. So I dictate where modifiers get put on and when 
in my office, but others may have the billers uh, apply modifiers or their uh, electronic health record automatically apply modifiers. Of course, in those cases, one has to be certain that one's electronic billing, that is office management software, is working properly and doing this in a appropriate fashion. So then one may wonder, well, okay, we've talked about these modifiers that can be put on, and we have codes such as Dr. Park said, 11102, paired with code 17,000, destruction of premalignant lesions, such as freezing with liquid nitrogen. And then you wonder, well, which of those two paired codes should get a 5-9 modifier? Is it the one in the first column or is it the one in the second column? Well, which is it, Dr. Park? Again, the AADA Practice Management Center has a neat tool that I recommend for each of you to download. It helps you understand how to identify which code, when reported in combination with each other, requires a modifier in order to circumvent code denials and bundling of services. And again, it can be downloaded on the AADA Practice Management Center website. And it does have a neat chart that delineates the process of choosing whether a modifier is needed or not needed. Now, the fact of the matter is that Medicare has proclaimed as of a few years ago that the modifier, that is in this case a 5.9 modifier, can be applied to either code in the columns, either the column one code or the column two, it's agnostic as to column, which is very, very nice because at least we don't have to uh, worry about that aspect. Interestingly, the CMS, Medicare, the NCCI company that managed it, thought that this is how it was being done. But in reality, the instructions that we had received and we had to follow for years required us to put the modifier on the column two code. And only after our AAD group discovered and pressed the uh, NCCI people to investigate this, that they find out that no, they had to actually write the policy again and correct that. And now we are not bound by any restrictions and the modifier can go either on column one or column two. So in the example that Dr. Park gave, 11102 can get a five non-modifier or code 17,000 can get a five nine modifier. Now, Dr. Park, let's discuss the types of modifiers that are available. So there are two types of modifiers that impact coding in dermatology. They are level one and level two. Level one, is known as global surgery modifiers and level two are known as informational modifiers. So level one, the global surgery modifiers are the ones that we see that are 22, 24, 25, 50, 57, 59, 78, 79, and so forth. These two digit numeric modifiers are considered payment modifiers and are appended to both the ENM services as well as the CPT procedure codes when needed. They're used to report that a billed service is not a part of the global surgery package and is eligible for separate reimbursement. 
Now that interestingly, that's fantastic. But what does that require? It requires that a person be familiar with the global surgical periods. That is, does a procedure have a zero day global period, a 10 day global period or a 90 day global period? And if one is not familiar with that, one may omit a modifier when it's needed or be persistently applying modifiers when they're not needed. Now, these are listed in a variety of sources, but I'll just go over that very, very briefly. The zero-day global periods, meaning any procedure done the day after or on any day after these procedures does not require a modifier consequence to the previously done procedure. And those would be biopsies of any sort, shave removals, debridements, and most surgery, that is most surgery that is not followed on the same day with a reconstruction of any sort has a zero day global period. 10 day globals are destruction such as the pre-malignant or benign destruction, 17,000 series, 17,110 series, the excisions, benign and malignant and repairs, simple complex intermediate. And the 90 days flaps and grafts are overwhelmingly the, the most common. Any of those tissue expanders and destruction of vascular proliferative lesions, dermabrasions, chemical peels. But for what we do, it's typically flaps and grafts. So there we have it. Now, Dr. Park, if you could illustrate the level two modifiers for us. The level two modifiers are, again, the informational modifiers. And these include things like LT, RT, GA, GX, and so forth. They're usually two-digit alphanumeric modifiers, and they're informational and are appended only to the procedural codes and provide additional detail on the location or the timing of the procedure performed. These modifiers allow us to provide information to the payer regarding the circumstances related to the location at which the procedure was performed or patient knowledge regarding the charges and their payment responsibilities. And the uh, exhaustive list of this is found in the CPT manual in Appendix A. One should realize that not all adjudicators, that is insurances, are set up to appropriately interpret these modifiers. And one should list a level one modifier, one of the others that Dr. Park first listed, as the primary modifier. And then these are secondary to that. So they further explain why this should be payable. But again, keep in mind that not all insurers have it in their software to actually deal with these things. So it behooves one to be aware of how everything is being paid. Now, there are modifiers that are sort of uh, at the top of the list, the prime contenders for frequently misused. Dr. Park, would you please, if you would illustrate some of this concept? Yes. So there are times, unfortunately, that we misuse modifiers, whether knowingly or unknowingly. And I just want to discuss some of the ones that are most frequently misused, just so that we're more aware of our coding practices. These modifiers are also known in the healthcare claim and adjudication system as audit triggers, meaning if you keep mis misusing these, you can be at risk for getting inappropriate reimbursement, be liable to a claim audit, and having unnecessary reviews of your medical records. When these modifiers are reported, it is important that you succinctly document the circumstances that support the use of the modifier. 
Now, some examples of frequently misused and in many cases also used modifiers, one can sort of infer, but really the most common by far are dot 59, which is distinct procedural service, such as what Dr. Park illustrated, the biopsy along with the destruction code, and dot 79, unrelated procedure by the same physician during the global period, that is the global postoperative period. In the first case, we may inappropriately place the modifier, that is the dot 59. And in the second case, dot 79, it's really easy to forget to put it on, especially when we're doing flaps and grafts. It's a 90-day global, and we may just forget that it's not been 90 days since the procedure and forget to put on the modifier, and then we don't get paid. Dr. Park, what are some of the salient points that we should remember from our discussion? If there's anything that we really need to remember today, it's that payment for services rendered to dermatology patients relies mostly on federal, which is CMS, and third party, which is what we consider commercial health insurance payers. When the federal government covers items or services rendered to Medicare and Medicaid beneficiaries, federal fraud and abuse laws apply. And many states have also adopted similar laws that apply to the vision of care under state finance programs and private paid patients. Therefore, the issues discussed in this discussion may apply to the adjudication of all claims submitted to the payer for adjudication. The payers really do trust us to provide necessary cost-effective and quality care, and also to append the modifiers appropriately to describe the circumstances under which we provided services. So it's really important that we all clearly document and describe each service rendered in the medical record because your documentation will serve as the basis for claims submitted to insurance for reimbursement. And also in the chance that you get audited, they're gonna review those medical records. Appending modifiers to a claim in order to bypass payer audits will also result in claim denial. And if you do it enough, can be categorized as abuse and or fraudulent billing. And that of course is a problem because it costs money for the insurer or the insurer that insures a lot of us, which is CMS, Medicare, to process these claims or reprocess claims. And by the way, as a sidelight, if one does have a denial, either you or the designated individuals in your office or your contracted biller should carefully check the explanation of benefits, that is the EOB, to see why a line item was denied. There's a reference there and it tells you why it was denied. If it was denied once, it will be denied again if you simply resubmit the claim as it was originally. They're telling you, your claim was defective. We're not paying. And you're saying, I want you to pay. I'm going to submit it again, the same. Well, they're going to come back and say, we're not paying. It's still defective. But what happened? It costs the system money to reprocess the claim. And if that system sees you doing that over and over and over again, I guarantee you, you will eventually be focus audited for that kind of behavior. So it certainly behooves one to keep track of this.
To avoid post-payment medical review for E&M services that could result in payment recoupment, the CMS has developed documentation guidelines for evaluation and management services. You could easily go on your internet browser and type in documentation to guidelines for evaluation and management services to bring up this PDF. And it's also important that dermatology practices continuously review and understand payer rules and regulations that dictate the use of modifiers to ensure appropriate reimbursement. First and foremost, know the payer for the service rendered, review your payer coverage policies regularly, and stay informed through payer communications, whether it's through their emails, their listservs, bulletins, seminars, or your professional specialty organizations, such as the AADA. Again, the AADA Coding Resource Center webpage has a ton of resources for you to get more coding guidance, and that's at www.aad.org slash member slash practice slash coding. And of course, you can reach out to any of the coding experts at the AADA via email at coding at aad.org. We pay for our membership in the AAD. It's great to take advantage of what our membership offers, particularly when it concerns getting paid for our services and then financing our ability to become members in all of the various societies and professional organizations that we are members of. The AAD offers us a tremendous amount of value in the Practice Management Center on the AAD website. The internet has plenty of that as well, but very importantly, our AAD meetings, both the annual meeting, which will be in March of next year, and the summer meeting, offer a variety of sessions that are focused on coding and reimbursement. And if you're having some questions or doubts, sign up. They're part of what is offered at the meeting, and I'm sure that you will learn something that will help you in your practice. And lastly, and very importantly, be aware of what's happening in your coding and reimbursement arena in your offices. There ideally should be a method of feedback that will let you know how your claims are being adjudicated. If they go into a black box or a black hole and only a small amount of radiation is extruded and it's meaningless to you, it will not help you. But what has helped you and who has helped you is Dr. Park, whom we thank immensely for her contributions and for her devotion to our coding and reimbursement questions and concerns and for her work on our coding and reimbursement committee. Thank you, Dr. Park. Thank you, Dr. Miller. And with this, we conclude this episode of Dialogues in Dermatology. Thank you for listening. I'm Alexander Miller, and we thank Dr. Park for her participation and her illuminative discussion. We're all trying to find the right balance between saving time and providing the best care for our patients. That's why we're excited to tell you about Visual DX. Whether you're trying to solve a challenging case, engage patients by showing them medical imagery that looks like them, or look up the latest treatment options, Visual DX is here to help. Your peers have said recently that you can just see the sense of satisfaction and understanding from the patient while using Visual DX. 
Try Visual DX for free for seven days, then get 50% off a yearly subscription. Visit visualdx.com forward slash AAD to get the AAD discount. That's visualdx.com forward slash AAD to get started today. Thanks again for tuning in to another edition of Dialogues in Dermatology. For more dialogues, subscribe to us through the website of the American Academy of Dermatology, then link your subscription through your favorite podcast app. Remember, the subscription is free for residents. New podcasts are released each week in addition to free special bonus episodes. You can also listen to dialogues online through the AAD website. Thanks again for listening.